everyone. Welcome to this episode of Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today, we are concluding our two-part This Year in Thor review. Myself, Ryan Doze, you know, your, your host. The, I, I think technically I am the founder of the show. I don't know if I've ever described myself as such, but uh, the founder of Across the Bifrost and my awesome co-host, uh, he was with me on part one of this year in Thor. Faz is back to conclude the year uh, and our review of everything that happened in the world of Thor. Faz, are you ready to uh, are you ready to rock and roll? I am so excited, Ryan. I'm a little worried, though. If you're calling yourself a founder, it makes it sound like you're like, I just watched Iron Man 2 again. He was, you know, estate planning and stuff because he was, is everything all right, man? You just watched Iron Man 2? I just rewatched it, yeah. Did someone have a gun to your head? No, so okay. So for the listeners, some of <laughs> us are have a New Year's. Some of us have a New Year's resolution to treadmill more, and in order to do that, you got to throw something on <laughs> to distract you, right? So I'm rewatching the whole MCU. Oh, okay, man. Some of the some of those phase ones are are fairly rough. Ah, uh, you know, Iron Man two has been okay. Iron yeah. Man one was great. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The Thor, the original Thor, was great. Yeah. Uh, after Iron Man two is Cap, and I think it's pretty good. And then Avengers is fantastic. So yeah, Iron Man two is fine. Like it's and, a perfectly serviceable movie. And you forgot about Edward Norton's Hulk. I did. I did not include that in my rewatch. Unfortunately, that's a yeah. smart choice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're but, here to talk about the yeah, best we're not, character. We're not here to talk MCU. about the MCU Phase One, though. I'm sure some of our listeners are like, "Yeah, awesome, finally." <laughs> uh, but we are here to talk about July through December of 2022, where uh, we saw the uh, you know the release of a big movie. We saw a bunch of big comics come out. And a bunch of news regarding other uh, projects in the Thor and MCU world. And we're going to dig into each one of them in the order that they came out. So, Baz, we are ready to jump into July. All right. Well, J- July, July 1st. Yeah, there we go. Is Loki versus Loki. Oh, it's my. Alligator Loki, obviously. Because you guys can tell because I'm starting the discussion rather than Ryan. The smile is real, everybody. It's fantastic magic drops alligator loki off next to regular loki regular loki's like fight me basically they have a fantastic fight alligator loki bites loki loki bites alligator loki and then i think they bond over their hatred of thor is that kind of what happens at the end i think all lokis have that in common where their one common denominator is they could be different genders different species different alignments but they all dislike thor yeah yeah i think there's a handshake at the end yeah there is there's a handshake and they both think let's scheme against this this stupid golden boy and i you know (laughs) i i am here for it because he is fantastic both of them both lokis are fantastic i mean that was it's a great it's a great little uh you'd think that if a loki met a loki they would either like become best of friends but like not trust each other too much or they would instantly just dislike each other and mm-hmm. I feel like this uh, this latest installment of Alligator Loki really, really captured that. Again, from Alyssa Wong, Bob Quinn, uh, Pete Pentazis. Um, and we won't list the creative team for all the Alligator Loki comics uh, like we did last time because it's the same creative team the entire time. Now, on the other side of things, we go back to Thor and Jane on July 6th with an Infinity comic called Strange Tales 
Thor and Jane Foster number one. It's entitled Shared Lives. Now, one thing that uh, that this um these Strange Tales comics, the Infinity comics that that are coming out, you know, sporadically throughout the year, the Strange Tales comics were kind of these one shot adventures with characters that had just been highlighted in the MCU. So there's, you know, when uh, when Multiverse of Madness came out, they came out with a Clea, a Clea Strange and Wong adventure. They came out with a Rocket one around um, the release of the holiday special. They came out with a Moon Knight one around the Moon Knight show. They, they had these different one shot adventures so that people that were already invested in the TV shows could go over to Marvel Unlimited and read these short little comics to kind of whet the appetite that the MCU shows and projects were setting up. But here's a little bit of a description of what happens in this infinity comic. This, the man behind the mirror presents a team up tale between Jane Foster Valkyrie and the God of thunder Thor, a classic Thor villain returns. Mr. Hyde does not stand a chance against Thor and Jane. Mr. Hyde is a uh, is a classic uh, classic literature character that uh, Stan Lee turned into a Marvel villain way back in the sixties. He's super strong and he's super mad all the time, but he's kind of the foil for Jane and Thor in this adventure. Again, it's a quick little story. Um, they have some fun with it, uh, but nothing nothing too earth shattering here with our Strange Tales issue. Cur- any uh any thoughts on strange tales before we move along fast i thought it was pretty fun it's uh i mean unlike the alligator loki infinity comics there's actually dialogue which is interesting and it's still a one shot it's a quick fun read it's uh it's a cool story it um i didn't realize they were making them for every highlighted mcu character so that's pretty cool i'd recommend going back and checking through them all yeah it was i mean i think it's one of those things where you know any any way that they can kind of cross um yeah they can cross the you know the two audiences with each other they will which obviously if you've got these massive properties um and, and these you know chances to catch an audience why not do it um makes perfect sense especially yeah. for marvel unlimited right like they need they need to get people in buying the uh buying the subscription getting to read the comics right that's yeah. a great way to draw people in and infinity comics are exclusive to marvel unlimited so that's a, another great catch to it speaking Can't get alligator loki anywhere else you cannot, you will not get it anywhere else other than Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and uh, on also on July 6th, we got a, uh, a floppy single issue adventure that also highlighted a Jane and the Mighty Thor. Number two from Torn Grunbeck. This is part two of the limited series that started around the hype uh, of the Love and Thunder film. The synopsis for this one goes something like this. When Jane and Odin find a clue steeped in unknown magic, they turn to Dr. Voodoo, a a reference I was not ready for when I read this comic. Now, Dr. Voodoo helps them find Thor and learn about an interdimensional threat that requires more than Thor's strength to combat. Meanwhile, Runa the uh, Tessa Thompson inspired Valkyrie. She cuts a Midgardian vacation short to help the warriors of Asgard hold off their enemies assault on the golden realm. Why do their enemies seem to know something Sif does not Sif at this point is ta- she's taken the role of Heimdall where she watches the bridge and makes sure that Asgard is safe. But 
in Torin's story here, the the enemies of Asgard have all come and they've they've ver- they've they've come to Asgard all at the same time in this you know this collaborative effort to get rid of Thor, to get rid of Asgard once and for all. And uh, they're kind of pulling out all the stops to to rebuff this attack. So uh, in issue two, we just ramp up the action and Jane realizes that she's got to go find Thor while the the soldiers and, you know, Runa and Sif and Beta Ray Bill, they uh, fight the enemies there. So, Faz, I know this was not a comic that you kept picking up um, after the first issue, but um, man, I would go back and like read this at some point. It's it's Torin kind of like ramping up for her time with Thor later on in the year. I will definitely be checking these out. The first one was excellent. I don't know how the the rest of the list got uh, got pulled off my pull list, but it'll be back in for sure. And if you're going to pick that up, you get to see more fantastic Michael Dowling art. If uh, any of you are interested in a creator conversation, we spoke to the artist on this series, the one who worked with Torin. Uh, Michael Dowling was a phenomenal uh chat that we had a few months back so if you go just scroll back in your your podcast listing uh you'll see chat with michael dowling and that is a a good use of your time so go check that out shameless plug i of course what else Mm -hmm. do i have to plug Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh so that same week on july 8th a little thing called thor love and thunder came out in theaters i'm gonna read you just some just some statistics about the movie. And if you're interested in hearing our full, uh, our, our full, you know, thoughts, our instant reaction to the film, go back also in our, in our, uh, in our listing of episodes and you'll see our Thor love and thunder review. We will kind of give you our, like, it's been a while. <laughs> it, we've had a few months to think about it kind of thoughts at the end here. While after I read off some of the things that, Uh, this movie did and accomplished. So Thor's retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer called Gore, the God butcher who seeks the extinction of the gods to combat the threat. Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie Korg and his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who to Thor's surprise inexplicably wields his magic hammer Mjolnir as the mighty Thor together. They embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it is too late. Thor Love and Thunder was directed by Taika Waititi, starred Chris Hemsworth, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, Taika Waititi, Russell Crowe, and Natalie Portman. It was written by Taika Waititi and Caton uh, Robinson, produced by, of course, Kevin Feige. The budget for this film was a quarter of a billion dollars, so a, a cool, crisp to, uh, $250 million. It grossed $343.3 million in the United States and Faz's native Canada, and it was... It had $417.7 million in other territories worldwide for $760.9 million in its box office. It was the seventh highest grossing film of 2022. Its opening weekend was $144.2 million, which was the largest debut weekend for a Thor film. Also, Thor Love and Thunder made this the first 
first franchise in uh, in the MCU to have a fourth film. Uh, none of the other single heroes had had four films up until this point. It received a 64 critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, the, uh, the critical uh, synopsis went like this. In some ways, Thor Love and Thunder feels like a Ragnarok redux. But overall, it offers enough fast-paced fun to make this a worthy addition to the MCU. I like how you snuck worthy in there, Rotten Tomatoes. Good, good work. It received a 77 audience response on Rotten Tomatoes with the uh, with the uh, overall feeling uh, being something like this. Even though Thor Love and Thunder's constant silliness makes it hard to invest in the more serious sides of the story, there is plenty here to enjoy. This film was also nominated for the 2022 Movie of the Year at the People's Choice Awards. It did not win another MCU entrant. The Multiverse of Madness ended up winning. And uh, Chris Hemsworth won the People's Choice Award for Best Male Movie Actor from this film. So that's a lot of statistics about the film. And we're just going to give you a quick little like, it's been a while since this movie came out. Thoughts, Faz? I'm I'm winded, so I need you to take a look right now. I will will jump in first, certainly. Uh, Long-time listeners will know from the review that I'm higher on this movie than most. I've watched it a few times since then, and I'm still quite high. I get that it's a flaw. On the movie, movie, right? On the movie. Okay. And on life, everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I totally get that it's a flawed movie. I get that it's not for everybody, and I get that the comedy can take away from the serious points for some people. But at the same time, like I recently listened to an interview from uh, from Taika from around July, and he said that this movie means a lot more to him than Ragnarok, because while Ragnarok is a tighter script and a more fun time the whole way through, he really wanted to make an emotional story. And he thought the second half of this movie really laid into the emotion in a way that he was really glad Marvel let him do. And that, to me, is what I love about the movie. The first half is fine. It's good. It's a good time. The second half, from the shadow fight onward, is one of the best pieces of MCU content I've seen. And I've still got it at the top of my solo MCU list. Awesome. I So I also think that having time... To have watched this movie a few times since it got on to Disney Plus, of course I watched it a few times in in the film uh, or in the uh, in the theater. Uh, I will say I did say I was going to mention a theater story here uh, from the first part when I went to opening weekend here in my local uh, my, my town at my local theater. They had two posters that. Um, the one was hanging out front of the theater and the other one was in the back room. They had received two posters for this. And uh, my, my we're standing in line for the concessions and my wife says, they usually get double like posters for this. You should ask if you can have the other one. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask. Like it's busy debut weekend of a Marvel movie. They've got more stuff to do on their, on their plate. And she's like, but like show them that you have like a Thor podcast. Like you should like you, this is like, this is a big deal to you. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that Marvel fan. That's like, I like this movie more than anybody else. And no one knows as much about this character as I do. And I'm in a gatekeep, be a gatekeep being a Thor fan. You're not a real fan. Unlike <laughs> I didn't want to do it. 
we get up to the front and kim kim says fine i'll do it <laughs> and so she explains to um the manager of the theater whose name is tom uh like you know hey uh you know yada 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 all this stuff. and he goes to the back room grabs the poster and i tried to conceal like the smile of a nine-year-old on christmas morning um but he was like yeah cool enjoy and i was like oh my gosh i like ran it back out to the car and now it sits in my studio every time we come on here and chat and uh, is one of my favorite mementos from this fandom so uh that happened opening weekend and uh, i will say that this movie was i i was talking to our, our good friend will rose about this earlier today this movie was never going to fulfill the um the role that those comics had in my life it was never going to do that and you know those comics came into my life like i've said many times um you know the the god butcher story and the and the jane being worthy story came into my life at a time where i needed those stories uh and this movie was going to do something different with those themes and it did and I think now that I've listened to enough of Taika talk about this movie and Hemsworth talk about it, and even, you know, Natalie Portman talk about this, this movie did do what it, what it set out to do. I just don't think for a lot of people, what it set out to do was what they would have done with this film. And that's okay. That's totally okay. And I understand that sometimes I err on the side of positivity, um, maybe a little too obviously, but was this movie perfect? No. Was it a complete heap of garbage? No. The the reviews, the both the critical reviews, the the money that people spent to go see this, the audience response overall, maybe not the hardcore comic book people, but the audience as a whole, which you know is the number that Marvel is looking at um, when they do these films and they get this box office, you know, this revenue in. They're looking at did the wider audience enjoy this story enough to go see it? Well, the numbers say they did. And for it to have a huge opening weekend, um, the biggest in the Thor franchise, it was a great, you know, great moment. And um, I, I enjoy this movie. It is really hard for me to rank these movies of is it my favorite? Mm-hmm. Is it not? Because I enjoy every Thor movie for a different reason. So it's I, like that might feel like a riding the fence kind of response, but I'm sorry, everybody. Like I, I, I tend to err on the side of enjoying things. You got to commit, Ryan. It's either the greatest movie I've ever seen, or it's the biggest piece of trash I, I've ever seen. No, 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 this, this movie, <laughs> this movie is not my favorite, my, my favorite movie of all time. I will admit it is not Christopher Nolan's the prestige. Ah. It's not that movie. Um, everybody. That's the uh, bit of Ryan trivia you get for this episode. <laughs> that i believe the greatest movie ever is the prestige that's that's the tie into um, the ryan cinematic universe right there just a little bit of a piece for you <laughs> listeners to learn yeah um one thing gonna, on the topic of, of this yeah, before yeah. i give you guys uh i have some notes from the third person of the warriors three named, oh uh, right we're gonna will that i that the, i will the get will, through. the will rose of it all but before i get there one more thing that i do stand by on this one is that it was the most comic feeling Thor movie not that it was necessarily a Thor comic because I think Thor the Dark World was a Thor comic but this one had space um, dolphins this one had wild costumes this place had amazing colorful locations this one had hijinks this one had so much stuff the hammers were sentient so much stuff that you get in Thor comics filtered heavily through a Taika Waititi lens for obvious reasons 
but they had so much stuff that uh, Jane making catchphrase jokes, all these things that yeah. were straight up taken from the comics as inspiration that were really nice to see. Now, it's chill Will time. Oh, boy. Baz is going to do his best impression of Will Rose. Now, as you guys know, I'm very positive on the movie. Ryan's kind of neutral. Will is our tempering force here so that you don't just get constant love for the movie here. Will likes the movie, but he does have some thoughts on some critiques. I can't do a good Will Rose, so I'm going to go like this instead. This is Chill Will from Chapel Hill. The more I watch and reflect on it, the more disappointed I am in it. I just think it was trying to do too many things at once. Is it comedy? Is it serious? Or is it a dark slapstick? Of course, you can do all in one movie if there's a balance. But I just didn't think they pulled it off. I like Taika's style and sense of humor most of the time. But it came off kind of like the Phantom Menace to me. When the opportunity presented itself to go deeper, like Faz's voice right now, they chose to make light of it instead. The Jane and Gore storyline in comics is up there as an all-time favorite. Not just comics, but stories in general. So there was no doubt that I'd be disappointed. It's hard to pull off a movie for these stories. I almost wish Thor 4 was Gore, and then Thor 5, 5, was the Jane story arc. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of moments or themes I really liked in the movie. It just frustrated me a little because of how much I love those comics. I do love the point you guys made in the year of review, that the buildup and the trailers hurt your expectations of the movies. Not as like a comics bro kind of way, but in a, the top jokes and surprises that were shown away. But with that said, everyone in the movie acted their ass off, and the director is better than me at directing. It's no one's fault that I feel disappointed, but my own here. It was just hard to meet my expectations, known and unknown. I did go in with the mindset of trying to have fun, and I did have fun. But the more I sit with it, it's not a movie that I'll be going back to over and over like that frickin' Faz guy. <laughs> I'd rather read the comics. And scene. There you go. That's those are Will's thoughts. Wow. And I think again, it's like he was valid. here with us. <laughs> Sounded just like him. I don't know if you guys have that's... listened frequently, but that's you know that's Will. Wow, it's like if if Will hit mega puberty. <laughs> 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 well, I, I think that's I think that's enough for our um our our you know our rehash of Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, I, I do like that. Faz is really high on the movie. I would say I'm neutral on it. I think that's a good way Faz said. Um, and then Will, you know, obviously being a representative of those who felt kind of disappointed by the movie, yeah. um, like. Whether but, you... but toxic fans, though, remember, he's noticing that it's more setting expectations too high right, right, right. than that the movie is trash. Go back and re-listen to Ryan and I talking about it in the last pod. I'm sure you would... don't watch. Don't watch the further trailers. Don't yeah, just watch the yeah. first teaser. Re-listen <sighs> to the podcast from us instead. Trailer um, fatigue is a thing. It's tough. Trailer fatigue is so a thing. I get why Marvel needs to do it for their for their bottom line, because they're they want they're making money off this. Um mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if Thor Love and Thunder made money, that's the biggest deal. 
Like, and I, at the end of the day, like the the super fans like us that are seeing the movie three times, even if they hate it, they have our money. They're trying to no, convince we're, we're, the the random people to bring their kids there that are watching an ad at the Super Bowl. Right, right. And it's like it's like yeah, they they already have our money. Like uh, in a few in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the slate for uh, Phase Five and Phase Six. My money is already spent for those movies. I don't even care yeah. who's in them. I don't care what they're about. I'm already going to see them. Um, so I'm not, I am not the person that Marvel is worried about marketing to. I I'm not, I'm, they don't have to prove anything to me, um, because I am hopelessly devoted to whatever, um, I'm going to go see it. I'm, I just am, I, I'm not going to be too, uh, too critical on that. So on July 15th, we get our next alligator Loki infinity comic. Number 10, the heist, the heist. All right, so the heist is a great one. Two Lokis team up. You're thinking, like, are they going to attack Thor? What's going on? No, they're going to steal the Infinity Gauntlet, everybody. Let's focus oh, on a serious alligator Loki issue incoming. No comedy, straight up Zack Snyder style darkness. No, obviously kidding. <laughs> Zack Snyder they, darkness. They they uh, appear in a, in a coat area. Loki puts on a nice suit. He sees that alligator Loki just looks like an alligator. So he gives him a suit, too, and he's adorable. And Loki dreams of getting the Infinity Gauntlet, and Alligator Loki dreams of eating the buffet. Oh boy. So Alligator Loki goes, tries to get himself the buffet. Mistakes are made. The buffet falls everywhere. And in the chaos, Thor and Squad do the the meme. I don't know if you recognize this, Ryan. The one of like the cat making like the hissing voice and yes, the two girls yep. pointing. Yep. Cap and Thor do that, and Alligator Loki makes the hissing cat yes. face. It's yep. fantastic. That was really good. And then they look up and they see that regular Loki is trying to steal the Infinity Gauntlet. Of course. That's why he's there in the first place. And they're they're thrown in Loki jail. We're we are in timeout, it says this time. And it is again a banger. I have to correct myself. Our alligator friend is wearing a bow tie, but not a full suit because you can't contain something that amazing. I love the idea of alligator Loki in a bow tie. That's awesome. Just, it's it's a great look, you know. It's a great look. On July 22nd, uh, Faz, I, I have one question associated with this because we won't do a deep dive in this. It's yep. just it's too much. Um, but on July 22nd, uh, Marvel kind of surprised Comic-Con goers with a huge release of many titles. Like, I think some people thought like, oh, we'll, we'll learn about like maybe what's happening next year. Nope. They out they laid out the entire multiverse saga at Comic-Con for phase five and phase six. And uh, I just want to know what project are you most excited about for phase five and phase six? And maybe take the Avengers movies off because those are going to be, you know. Oh, I was going to say Kang Dynasty. That's tough. One sec. Let, let me pull up the phase five, phase, uh, phase yeah. six. Uh... I, I, mine is pretty Mine is pretty simple. Uh, I'm excited for Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Good choice. I, I want to see what they do with Fantastic Four so badly because, I, you know, listeners of this show know, like, outside of Thor, like, Ben Grimm, the thing, is one of my favorite characters. And I just, I enjoy him so much. I think the Fantastic Four being the first family of comics, being the thing that set the Marvel Silver Age like up for success they have deserved such a good film adaptation for so long that i think it's kind of criminal they haven't had one um you know the first one's okay the first movie's okay rise of the silver surfer is super disappointing when you realize galactus is a cloud 
Um, but you know, the, and then that, you know, that. What do you mean? That's the best look he's ever had. Oh God! Don't. <laughs> uh, and then that, you know, that Christopher Nolan esque Zack Snyder dark attempt at a Fantastic Four reboot. That was. Is that, that like was, Fan Four Stick? That's maybe one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I only finished it. I don't know because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, but yeah, people that didn't like Thor: Love and Thunder, you should go rewatch the Fantastic Four reboot, and then let's talk about bad superhero movies. You should go uh, watch three. You know what? I'm not, not going to go there. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to stop well, myself. Yeah. Which uh, which upcoming project are you most excited for? All right. So rather than picking one, I'm going to do like a 90 second lightning round of why I'm excited for a whole bunch of them because I can't pick. I'm looking at the slate right now. I'm doing my best. Okay. okay. Ready? Here we go. Okay, Quantumania is going to be amazing because we're getting Kang as an actual villain for the whole thing. Ah, fantastic and MODOK. And, and MODOK. It's going to be great. Everything's great about that. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be amazing. It's finishing one of the best trilogies in the entire MCU. War, Loki Lock, Season 2 War, is going to be great because we've got Asgardian stuff and it's going to be amazing. The Marvels has Amon Vellani who is a saint and Brie Larson's amazing and everything about that looks great. Blade is coming back and it looks fantastic. Oh my god, look at Blade. Ironheart killed it in Wakanda forever. Can't wait to see her later. Agatha Coven of Chaos. Going to slow down a second for this one. She stole WandaVision. She was amazing how good she was. Obviously, Wanda and Vision were perfect. Catherine Hahn, man. Catherine Hahn's amazing, and she has a show. Can't believe it. Daredevil's back, motherfuckers. And Daredevil Born Again is 18 episodes. It's going to be fantastic. Captain America New World Order is a cap movie. The last cap movie we had was Civil War. And this time we're going to have Sam Wilson, and he looks fantastic. Thunderbolts has Florence Pugh. Don't need to say anything else than that. You know I want that. Fantastic Four is amazing. Unentitled Marvel Project number three is uh, could potentially be a Thor movie. So we're going to put that in there. Oh! It probably won't be. It'll probably be no, after the Secret probably. Wars and, and whatnot, right? But who knows? And then Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars don't need said anymore. Thank you for indulging me, everybody. That was uh, aggressive. But just know anything I didn't mention was only because it's not currently on the photo that I'm looking at, and I'm excited for it too. Secret Invasion, I'm hyped for. Secret Echo Invasion, on. yeah, it was the I'm one that I thought. For, yeah. yeah, oh, Secret Invasion. Yeah, Secret Invasion looks good. And Echo, like, while she wasn't a huge role in, um, in whatchamacallit, Hawkeye, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be a huge show with a lot of really cool stuff going on. So that might be really good too. That'll be that. I hope, I hope people are surprised by that one because I am personally not excited for it, but, um, but you know what? Hey, it, it's been said before in Kevin Feige, we trust. Come on. Yeah. Um, I think Even the ones that are quote unquote bad are still okay. You know, yeah. like Marvel has always been sevens and eights with the occasional 10. You don't get yeah. very many ones from them. Yeah, if any. Um, so okay, let's move on to the end of July. We're we're finally at the end of July. Um, Alligator Loki number eleven, cold snap. Cold snap. Alligator Loki experiences his first snow. It's pretty, you know, it's what you'd imagine. He's living regular life. Snow falls down. He's like, the fuck is this bullshit? Because he's like our friend Brandon experiencing snow for the first time. Alligator Loki, similarly, like Brandon, doesn't have a sweater. Like Brandon doesn't wear gloves. Like Brandon thinks that uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit is cold. Like Brandon. Oh, oh Texas boy. <laughs> and then he uh, he meets regular Loki, who's wearing a winter coat, and he's pretty jealous about that. Regular Loki thinks to himself, I should say human Loki, not regular. Alligator Loki's are our, our regular Loki. <laughs> Human Loki, this show he is. yeah, he is for sure. And we finally have Mephisto confirmed because no. Mephisto, Ooh. among other firebending people, helped warm up Alligator Loki in the snow. Yeah, it's a very sweet moment. Love to see it. 
August 1st, we uh, the the second season of Loki begins filming. Uh, and this is per uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly noticed uh, this. Uh, they had this quote from Tom Hiddleston where Hiddleston says that the second season of Loki will focus on the battle for the soul of the TVA. Now, that could mean a lot of different things, but we know that Kate Heron is not back doing the, the show running for this. I got two new showrunners that are related to the Moon Knight series. So they could be bringing oh, over. Really? Yeah, they could be bringing over cool. a lot of like mind bendy, you know, stuff with this. I think that uh, almost the entire cast is coming back for season two. So there's a lot of potential in Loki season two. And we are going to be covering it episode by episode this year. We're going to deep dive into Loki later on this year. We're going to have a lot of fun with season two love loki one thing that i'd love them to do is have more armor style outfits for him man looks great in a suit would love to see him in like an avengers one style outfit more often his his classic kind of you know stuff yeah i mean that would be the fun thing about a loki series is we get so many different looks of loki because we get so many different variants of loki yeah yeah so speaking of different looks and awesome stuff also in August of this last year, we saw the Thor Love and Thunder Funko Pops were revealed. Uh, now, I know myself and Faz, we collect, you know, Funko Pops and we really enjoy those. This was the the standard line of figures that came out for the movie were uh, Thor, the Mighty Thor, Valkyrie, Korg, Gore, and Meek. Also, there was a bigger, a bigger style set that came out with this one that both myself and Faz are owners of the goat boat featuring tooth Nasher, tooth grinder and Thor on the giant long ship. It's got a piece of the rainbow bridge underneath it. Um, okay. How many of these Funko pops do you own from love and thunder Faz? I only own two from love and thunder, which I've been ones? looking. So I've been looking for a Jane without the helmet and I haven't been able to find one at my local areas. And I'd rather buy a Funko locally when I can. Yeah. I have the regular Thor. So he's okay. like, like the blue Thor. He's standing up like this. And I have the greatest Funko Pop of all time, the yeah. goat boat. I'm looking at mine right now. Yeah, it is perfection. It is exactly what Funko Pops are supposed to be in my mind. You've got the rainbow bridge. You've got the boat. Like it's a scene from the movie yeah. and it looks fantastic in a way yeah. that other Funkos just like the only one that compares to me is the one I have of Thor putting the hammer in Thanos' chest in Infinity War. I, you know, I thought about buying that the other day and I, I couldn't pull the trigger. I don't know why, but I, I, I got have, it for Christmas. I'm very happy with it. I got the goat boat for, for Christmas. My wife really hit a home run with that Christmas gift. And Perfect I also choice. have the, uh, I have the Jane, the Jane one with the helmet on. Nice. So I would love to get the Gore one. I would love to get, I would love to get all of them. I, well, you, I, you need to get the Valkyrie one, given how much you love Tessa Thompson. That's just Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. The one thing about this line that I, I, I don't get is um, I don't think Meek needed its own his own Funko because mm. Meek's Her in the movie for like five seconds. You, you what? Her own Funko. Meek is a girl. Meek is a girl. Yeah. I didn't know that. Sorry. Yeah, Meek. I, um, they uh, I, I agree with you. I think that in an earlier cut, Meek might have had a bigger role, like following Valkyrie around while doing new Asgard stuff. Okay. Which is why they had toys in the same way, you know, like there's, I want to say there's a Lego set where they fight a serpent and there was no serpent, obviously, like stuff like that happens. Yeah. Or in Infinity War when all the 
the art was the Hulk breaking out of Hulkbuster, and he doesn't actually do that in the movie. So people were like, yeah. "What's going on here?" Yeah, I think I think Zeus, Zeus probably would have been a better Funko to have. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's like a variant of the Zeus one from this. I don't know. Zeus is tough though, because now that it's been a while, we can talk about it a bit more. Like he's a villain, right? And you can't like the villain Funkos usually have like angry eyes or look really upset. And do you make like a happy looking Zeus? I would have him in in the stance where he's lifting up the tennis skirt. Oh, love it! Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that'd be hilarious. Either that, or him maybe holding thunderbolts out if they don't want it to be as silly. But yeah, Uh, but yeah. So the Funkos come out, and Funkos are something that you know a a lot of people in the nerd community collect. So um, the Thor: Love and Thunder ones came out in August. We move on to August 10th, where the third issue of Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor comes out. This again by uh, Torin Grunbeck, Michael Dowling, Jesus Abertov, and our friend Joe Sabino. The battle against the Dark Elves and their allies rages on in Asgard, and the warriors of the Golden City are losing badly. Rune of the Valkyrie has managed to stave off total defeat, but Asgard desperately needs Thor. Can Jane find clues of the Thunder God's whereabouts in Limbo, or will she lose herself to Sim's dark magics? So... Again, because Faz did not finish this series, I will give you a quick uh, rundown of these issues. This one was really cool because we got to see Jane working uh, against a foe that I didn't really see coming. Sim is this limbo demon that she goes to, you know, with the help of Dr. Voodoo, she goes there. And uh, the third issue is really where things get crazy down there. So I'll kind of give more of my thoughts in the third issue, because that's when the fight with Sim actually happens. So we'll just move on to August 12th. Alligator Loki number 12, the surprise. All right, let me pull it up on Marvel Unlimited again, free Publicity for Marvel, please sponsor us. The surprise. <laughs> sure, sure. Alligator Loki is kept in a little uh, crate, like you do with dogs, by regular Loki. And regular Loki is waiting for Thor to give him the thumbs up. He gets the thumbs up, brings Alligator Loki through. And it's a one-year birthday party for our special little oh. guy enjoying his first year so many people are there for him they're wearing party hats thor's excited he got heroes he got villains dormammu came to bargain for a slice of cake sure it's just (laughs) it's nice it's very nice um human loki still has bandages all over him our thor tries to give loki a party hat and loki refuses and then alligator loki and loki get picked up by thor for some photos there's a nice little montage of photos. It's a really nice time for everybody. And I'm sure you guys can tell that it's just such a heartwarming thing to read Alligator Loki Infinity Comics. This is also the first one that you get a a kind of teaser that it will end. It says, Alligator Loki's Reign of Terror will continue. And that's all <laughs> we'll say for now. And I think this is, uh, this is when uh, Alligator Loki kind of went on a break. Where yeah. they weren't coming out as frequently, but they come, they come in a little more sporadically now. So, um, so yes, there will be more Alligator Loki comics, um, but we're going to take a little bit of a break from them. So, August seventeenth, we finally get to the end of Thor versus Hulk: Banner of War. This uh, creative team on this issue is a little different than the normal crew we've had. It's Donnie Cates, Martin Cocolo, Matt Wilson, and Corey Pettit. But also Daniel Warren Johnson, 
one of Will Rose's favorite comic creators, comes in to help with the script. So we get a little bit of added uh, DWJ on this issue. The synopsis goes like this. The time for victory has come in the final installment of this epic crossover between Hulk and Thor. Marvel's two heaviest hitters expend their rage on one final brutal brawl that will answer once and for all which of these heroes is the strongest. But in a fight between gods, monsters, and men, who becomes the victor, the loser, and who really has the authority to decide? Revelations about Hulk's past and choices Thor makes about the future will shake the Marvel Universe to its very core. Now, this comic series ended, I believe, inconclusively. Mm-hmm. So there was this big thing of going into this series of like, there will be a winner. And I I guess you could say Thor won, but it's only because I don't know. I don't know, Faz. Like, did you feel like it, it delivered on the kind of on the promise? I think it's it's oh. tough to have a long running Thor book and a new Hulk book and then kill one of them in a war like this. So it's too bad that they kind of promised that because it kind of had to end the way that it did. But they kept telling us that it wasn't going to, right? Like, if we knew from the beginning that it was just going to be a normal kerfuffle, like, that's one thing. But, like, didn't didn't Thor win because he, like, chose to stop fighting but could have easily destroyed Banner at the end? It's right. like, you, can't, you have to kill him at that point to have a victor. And you don't. So it's, I mean, yeah, and then it, it and... was pretty good. But it wasn't what we wanted it to be, I don't think. And it, And it really ends with Hulk flying off to his next adventure. Mm-hmm. like flying off deeper into space and i don't know like this is not a knock on on donnie or martin or matt wilson Corey, even dwj coming in on this one it just i feel like it was a lot of hype for a fight that ends with both of them kind of just going their separate ways yeah it was and, a lot of hype like that that watcher thing at the beginning get popcorn it's going to be the greatest fight in the universe there's a conclusive winner get hyped yeah I almost feel like I didn't need I didn't need the guarantee of like there will be a winner. It's like mm-hmm. I can it just be an anniversary crossover? Like, I think that the the theme of Marvel this year is setting expectations. Because mm. between trailers and the hype for this comic run, there were a lot of times where people were left disappointed because of what, what they were thought they were getting when they would have been happy if they just thought it was a fun crossover, right? Like, right. Thor 750 didn't have to go as hard as it did, and we'll love it forever for doing that. Yeah. And Thor versus Hulk went a little less hard than they made it sound like it was going to, and we're disappointed because of yeah. that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, all those people, great creators, you know, obviously, oh, yeah. we're, we're still not... a good book. It's still, it's, yeah. it's still a good book. It's like, still, I think it's still fun. I just don't think it ended up doing what it said it was going to do. Yeah, it's just expectations. If if yeah. we thought it was just a fun uh, anniversary romp, we would have probably loved it as like a fun shoot 'em up for five issues, right? I will say uh, at the end of this uh, issue, it does the it. This is Hulk. Uh, this is Hulk number eight. This part of the the the, the crossover, and it's it kind of gives a hint of what Hulk is going to be doing later on in his series. And I was kind of interested in where that was going to go. And I had kind of been out on Hulk. Um, and I haven't looked back into it yet, but I, I, 
I want to kind of follow up with what happens in the the next issues of Hulk. We're going to get into September now, where on September 1st, we we dipped into She-Hulk a little bit for one episode where... Um, there's some references to new Asgard. There's some references to uh, to uh, to the Wrecking Crew is there. There's a Light Elf that has kind of a, a funny role in one of the episodes. But She-Hulk kind of spotlighted Asgard and the, the Thor characters in a few different fun ways, and that was kind of, that was kind of fun to to see. It was fun, yeah. That mm-hmm. that show is Marvel Sandbox, just to show how it's all kind of connected, and it, it was right? fun to to have some Asgard in there. Yeah, and on September 8th, uh, the Thor Love and Thunder Assembled episode came out on Disney+. Plus. This is the documentary-style look at the behind-the-scenes of the making of the films and the TV shows. So, Faz, I just wanted you to maybe share, like, what was something you learned from this that um, kind of either surprised you or just, like, you know, it was kind of interesting and maybe tease why people should go check this out for themselves? Two things, one yes. funny thing and one serious thing. I'll start okay. serious first. The When people complain about the VFX in this movie, they don't understand that they literally created new types of visual effects for right. this movie. The lighting wasn't just digitally edited later. They actually captured different light in different directions using a whole new type of lighting. That's why it's on the short list for the Oscar for VFX, not because of floating Heimdall's son, who was supposed to look silly. It was because of that crazy new idea that they put in, that they did an amazing job with, that fight scene. The funny thing is that for those people that are angry at Taika for making Thor too silly, you'll be surprised to learn when you watch this, that the first fight was Hemsworth's choreography. He got to pick the split kick. He He wanted to be as silly as possible for it. So you can hate the player as much as you want, but you're going to have to hate the game because all of Marvel wanted it to be fun. The last thing I'll say about it is it's really nice to see the family vibe. Firstly, between oh the gosh, people that yes. are professionals, and secondly, that their whole families are there because yep. they're filming on lockdown. It's just it's a really nice watch. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. The special features are good. There's a behind the scenes. There's a sizzle reel. There's deleted scenes. There's a lot of good in the assembled uh, episode yeah. for sure. I, so a funny, a funny thing and a serious thing for me, um, I found it kind of funny how the design of the shadow monsters came into being. Yeah. So Taika was writing like, you know, well, okay, Gore has these minions, but what do they look like? And he asked his daughter, what kind of monster would you be like scared of? What kind of monster would, you know, what do you think? She hands him back this drawing and then it kind of gave him the idea that they would have like the kids of the, like the, the cast and the crew put these drawings in and the drawings became the designs for the shadow monsters. I think that is such a, that's such a cool, innovative, but like simple thing of kind of that family vibe that Faz was talking about, but it actually translated from an idea uh, to, to, actually on the screen and like a lot of the kids in the in the uh you know the captured kids are cast and crews kids like that's just kind of a fun way to incorporate these people's real lives into this film and i thought one of the funny things was um hearing them all russell crowe was not in this assembled issue uh, uh edition of the of the of the documentary series but they talk about russell crowe so glowingly and they said like he was like the coolest dude 
like doing like, you know, he got the guy that was gladiator and, you know, he was in all these serious, you know, Oscar nominated films and he came to work, you know, had his real beard, his real hair. And he just like Mm -hmm. dove into it and had so much fun with it. And that's what I wanted to hear that. And, and, and obviously like they're, they're not going to shit on people or, or anything on this, you know, uh, on this documentary series, but I want to hear them like, enjoy being with these you know christian bale is a oscar worthy actor and russell Crowe he was is, a delight right just like russell right, Crowe. like yeah it's you know I, I i i i i love that you know the people that i you know look up to in in hollywood and actors that i enjoy actually sound like decent people yeah. um so yeah so the assembled issue uh, episode uh if you haven't watched it for thor love and thunder go but watch before it. we leave that one more thing about it yeah. too they always in these assembled issues talk about the costumes and everybody should pay special attention and look at that because the way that they do the stuff they do is incredible. Like they made like 30 different Thor suits, 30 different Mjolnir's and they talk about them all. They, they make them designed so that they can, uh, they can do the crazy stunts in them. And also by the sounds of it, Oh, you want to see the Natalie Portman thing? Uh, when I was gonna say that maybe we should just do it uh, an episode on the assembled stuff. Um, maybe, yeah. But uh, the fact that Hemsworth had twenty four wardrobe changes mm-hmm. in this film, and that Hemsworth is so involved in how his costumes go because he's the only person with his physique. Like you can't design like he's not a normal sized human when he plays this role, and he even said like I will never get this big for a role again. And and they've never uh, they've done a million different types of putting things together, and he's the only one who knows how they fit nicely. So if they ask him, he can tell them what the best fit is. But what I was going to say, the last thing, because I learned this not from Assembled, but recently, that they used fake leather for all of Natalie Portman's stuff because she's a vegetarian. And I thought that's pretty oh, nice. very cool. That's very a cool, cool. kind of little like you know it, it's her lifestyle, so we're going to support it throughout there. I, I I love that it sounded like a lot of care was put into this film. So uh, yeah, just go, go watch that. And maybe we need to come back around and do uh, do maybe a special little episode about the assembled stuff. Um, definitely worth a deep dive on September 21st, the fourth issue of Jane Foster and the mighty Thor came out the same creative team Asgard's defenses defenses have been breached. It's warriors battered and still many legions are unleashed upon them. The chaos and destruction seem to be fueling some great dark power, but to what end before she can find what lurks in the shadows to save the golden realm, Jane must first save Thor. This is the issue where, and Faz hasn't read it. So I'm, I'm going to spoil it. Um, he, uh, Jane gets an awesome sword made of fire in this. Yeah. It's like made of demon fire. It's fantastic. And she combines it with you know, with Mjolnir. Like it, there's some points in this issue where Michael Dowling goes so bat crap insane with that, with that stylus and, um, cool great action in this one and uh we we get to see uh thor uh actually start being in the issues <laughs> like he, he oh he's, nice he's there okay nice. he spends well the, the whole goal of this series is to get thor so that they can go back to asgard and fight the dark elves jane is kind of sent on an errand to find him so there's a lot of time where thor is not even really in the it's story. A fetch quest but for thor it's right uh, 
right it's a fetch quest uh but yeah so um the next issue this is the penultimate so we'll get to the finale in just uh just a moment but first on september 28th thor number 27 venom of asgard part one comes out this is written by donny cates he writes venom once more alongside guest artist salvador la roca this is a team up of kings thor the king of asgard and eddie brock the king in black must they must set aside their personal differences to save one thing they love earth so a few little points about this i really enjoy donny cates's venom king in black might be one of my favorite crossovers of all time it is so good and i am not a venom fan like I, I I enjoy it, but like I'm not like a Venom, you know, is my guy kind he of. He doesn't have a side Venom uh, podcast going. No, no, on. no. I don't have I don't have like a Lethal Protector podcast, the Venom pod. Oh man. No, no, no. You you definitely sing it, and you call it the Sing in Black, is what you do. Oh my gosh, that's that's the Will Rose Memorial I I roll right there. <laughs> uh, memorial. Oh yikes. Um. So uh, a lot of death this episode. Ryan passing on I, as, a, I know, as a founder. I know. Yeah. It's been a long week. Um. But this uh, this issue kind of like confused me because we you know a few issues back we were going to do Valhalla Rising and you know then we did the Banner of War stuff and now I'm like oh okay uh, another another crossover another kind of mashup with another person and this first issue like i'll be honest it didn't like i i kind of wondered why are we doing this now why is this here um it felt like a fill-in arc and and if that's what its intention was awesome great you know i have no problem with fill-in arcs um it's i kind of just was waiting for the next big thing to happen so i kind of took a flyer on this one uh right away um and it it was fine it was fine it had decent action good art salvador laroca is a great artist um and it it was was fine it was fine um fast do you have any thoughts on the on thor number 27 it was fine. It was fine. You know, it, uh, um, there's, there's some good art. It was a good story. It was fine. Like I, I, I echo you entirely. It was, it was all right. If it came like six months after banner of war instead, we might've been higher on it as like a nice fun hit him up. But when it came right afterwards, it's like, but we just did this, but longer with Hulk. Yeah, yeah. So now we're just doing a short version of the Hulk thing here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, uh yeah. Very, very, it was very reminiscent. I almost felt like we had a little bit of a hangover, from banner mm-hmm. of war um but l- let's jump into october um because we're gonna we're gonna uh, finish up the jane foster limited series with Torin, and then we're gonna do the part two of the venom story in the thor issues uh so let's do october 5th jane foster and the mighty thor number five comes out everything comes to a head in this brilliant and brutal conclusion to doran grunbeck and michael dowling's jane foster epic the puppet master who has been leading all of asgard's enemies from the shadow will be removed will be revealed as the dark secrets of runa's past with asgard from torn asunder will jane and thor arrive in time to save the golden realm from certain destruction so Again, Faz, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoiler alert here for you. The nice. person that's behind all of Asgard's enemies is Ares, the Greek god of war. Oh, that's fun. I didn't see it coming one no. bit. Well, now and... I see it coming, listeners. <laughs> just just watch. Ares is gonna show up. Um, I kind of thought it was a fun little inclusion, but it, it didn't make sense to me at the time because I was like, 
why why is Ares going after Asgard and using all of Thor's villains to do so? I I kind of does it explain to... why or does it just yes, it's but it's kind of like a Ares gets his power from warfare. And oh, so he just wants war. It's not about actually taking Asgard or anything. Yeah, it, it's it's and and honestly, if I it's been a while since I've read this one, so if I get any of this wrong, Torin, please let me know. Uh, and uh, send us a uh, profanity laden uh, voice message, please, if we mess it up. Because firstly, yell at me for not reading it yet. That's on me, and then you can yell at Ryan for getting it wrong. Wow. Um, I will say I did enjoy, we talked about this with Michael. I enjoy Michael's versions of superheroes because they're a lot more slender and they're a lot slighter. Um, they're not these big exaggerated nineties muscles on muscles on muscles. I loved his design for Aries. I could see the design they did for Aries in this. I could see that being the approachable kind of way they do Aries in the MCU. Uh, when eventually he and Hercules face off, because that's got to happen. It's got to happen. Um, I enjoyed this series a lot. I enjoyed the end of this series where Jane essentially tells Thor, hey, war is not going to end war. So, like, show mercy. Oh, and he looks cool. Yeah, right? So, like, this this series ends with Thor showing mercy to his enemies how many comic book stories end that way not a lot of them and i really applaud torrent and 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 her storytelling not just being another like hey whoever punches the most people in the face wins the comic book that's not how it ended and i loved how um there was some nuance in the ending of this so there we go october 19th Thor number 28 comes out. This is Venom of Asgard part two. Same uh, same team from the last issue. Hammer. Oh, gosh, this is a weird solicitation. Hammer versus tongue. Thunder versus symbiote. Golden hair versus pointy teeth. It's the epic finale of this dark, twisted team up between Thor and Venom. How will the events uh, how will the events from the current Venom series impact the future of Asgard? find out here baz i was hoping you might give us a little bit of a of a synopsis of the, of this one as we we finish up this two-parter well briefly it's it's uh thor and venom fight yeah they, they they have issues they fight they fight it out they it ends in a tie venom goes his way thor goes his way and the bad symbiote from before drops down into where Donald Blake is being serpented to death every day. <laughs> serpented Donald to Blake. death. <laughs> and he becomes a symbiote too for future use, presumably. There is some Sal LaRocca art in here where beautiful. We get to see Thor decked out as a symbiote. Yep. Um, and that I won't lie, that is really cool. It's um, very cool. And uh I, I still want that Funko Pop, the the venomized, the venomized. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. Let's go into November. We are we are we just got a few more things for the year, everybody. November twenty fourth, Alligator Loki number thirteen, the cookout comes out. I know you guys are thinking about how penultimate episodes of things are really big, and this is no exception. Penultimate Alligator Loki for the year, fantastic. It's a park. It's a picnic. Lots of Marvel characters. There's a dragon. Maybe the Great Protector. I'm not sure if he's gold in the comics or not, but Alligator Loki's there. Hawkeye is in love. 
feeds him alligator treats that are bow and arrow shaped. And alligator Loki Loki's is, not having it. <laughs> he's like, no, thank you. I only eat Mjolnir's. And he escapes. He gets to Pinata and he hangs out with some fellow green boys, which I really liked. Like they, they bond over color scheme, presumably. Or maybe Loki just thinks that they're extremely attractive, which works for me too. They hang out together. Alligator Loki eats. Hawkeye is still not being paid attention to. He just wants to play with the puppy dog. You know, I mean, Alligator, you know how it is. Yeah. He won't let him pick him up. And then Alligator Loki is uh, doing some amazing pinata stuff and he takes out Clint in the head. I love this one felt like the most like slapstick funny because Clint yeah. kind of plays the plays the fool for Alligator Loki. I, I just I really enjoyed that. On also in this month, uh, Chris Hemsworth's um, National Geographic series Limitless came out, and around around the 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 show, he kept doing this number of interviews, um, and the conversation of Alzheimer's disease in his family came to the forefront, and um, he kind of alludes to the fact that the next Thor film might be his last. And that after these two comedic approaches, he's l- maybe looking for a new direction. Now, throughout this year, I'm sure we can deep dive on this a little more. But Faz, I want to know your you're you're much more savvy with like behind the scenes interview stuff and catching these little tidbits. Um, in November, when all this news kind of comes out around Hemsworth and how he's going to take a little bit of time away from acting, what what were your kind of reactions and thoughts about this news coming to light yeah so the first thing is the alzheimer's thing is very sad he doesn't have anything yet it's just he has a predisposition to it so he's kind of got to think things through and be safer and be smarter about stuff like do as many word games as he can to keep himself sharp so that's nice and spending time with his kids i'm not too worried about from a marvel perspective because he does that all the time he takes breaks he goes really hard then he takes breaks I think a lot of what he said was taken out of context about his wanting a less comedic Thor in the future, as these things tend to be. You guys have probably recently seen, based on when this is coming out, that Dave Bautista said that working for Marvel was horrible and that Drax is his least favorite character. When you read the whole quote, sitting in the makeup booth was horrible, but he loved being Drax the whole time. That's not what any of the titles say. Yeah. In this case, Hemsworth was saying he loved his time with Watiti. He loved the way they did it with Thor. He sees Thor in sets of two, two serious Thor movies with the first two, two funny ones here, and then two wise ones seems to be what he's looking for now that he's an adult and he's fully grown out of his midlife crisis is kind of what he's looking for. Yeah. A lot of people took this as a, even Hemsworth is dunking on Watiti. Amazing. But really it's just, it's time to end the arc. It's a tonal, it tonal shift. It's time to shift. It's going to stay with with what he's been doing. He was a he was a petulant, warmongering child. He was someone trying to find himself, and now he's found himself in his purpose. And we're going to get King Thor, is what I think. Whether it'll be a full actual King Thor or just an old wise Odin like figure, I'm not sure. But hmm. I could see it being one more Thor movie where he deals with the whole Hercules thing and dealing with love. We could get one of those, and then an actual end like yeah. Logan. It really depends yeah. on how long hemsworth wants to keep acting but i mean he, he he's been doing this for over 10 years now yeah it's been a long time he's had more solo movies than robert downey jr yeah than so chris evans i i will say this um chris hemsworth's value 
with this character cannot be understated. Oh yeah. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, he, he's, he's not a comic book writer. He's not a comic book artist, you know, all that, but there are potentially millions of people that would never know about this character. If Chris Hemsworth hadn't put his heart and soul into this role. So it's because of his honesty that I say this, I am a thousand percent. Okay. With if we don't get another Thor film, say, say something goes wrong with his health, or you know, this predisposition turns into something, which God forbid, I hope it doesn't. Um, but say we've seen the last of Chris Hemsworth in the role, um, which I don't believe we have, I would still be okay with it because the man has put in his, literally his blood, his sweat, his tears into this role, and I think that. He he took a he took a, he, he a D tier Marvel character and made him one of the five most popular ones in the world. Right, like he, he's right up there with Superman now. He like the guy. The guy's value obviously goes beyond a, a silly comic book movie. Mm-hmm. But I think his level of, of yeah, his honesty and his transparency around the the Alzheimer's predisposition and with spending more time with his family. It's like, dude. This is your life. Like these comic book movies are nothing at the end of the day. Yeah. Like this is your family. This is your, your wife. This is your, your legacy. Don't let your legacy be a bunch of superhero movies. And I know sometimes with fans, like we don't think that way. And I think, and, and a, a lot of things too, like if he didn't get to make the last two in Australia and New Zealand, he might not still be playing Thor. Like they're, they're doing everything they can to keep it around in a really nice way but if they stop if he's got to go to atlanta for six months i wouldn't fault him for saying hey you know what i'll, I'll show up for the team ups and that's it and that'd be fine he's given us yeah. so much at this point yeah and and obviously he's been fairly compensated for all this like i know that you know like well he gets paid to do like yes but it it's still it's still work though it's still a drain on your family it's still a sacrifice in, in a way obviously physically it's horrible right he was in pain the whole time in the last movie the the big paychecks certainly do help but you know let's not be let's not be so capitalist <laughs> capitalistic thinking of the of you know like it's all about money I'm like i want him to i want him to do this role as long as he enjoys doing this role mm-hmm. i'll be honest if it, if he decides tomorrow that he wants to do other things go do other things it's your life you owe nothing to these fans um you know cuz you've already given pretty much all you can give to us as fans so mm-hmm. um chris Hemsworth, love him i love what he's done in these movies um and i'll always uh give him full credit for making thor a pop culture um a mainstream pop culture reference you hear um, your first listeners ryan wants to recast thor just kidding obviously that's not a good that's not at all what he said i just <laughs> want to give you some clickbait Let's let's move on to December, uh, and then we got to we got to we got to wrap up with uh, some awards at the end of the day. On December seventh, my birthday, Torn Grunbeck gave me a present, and it was Thanos Death Notes number one. The creative team for this issue uh, is a lot of people, a lot of awesome people. We'll just say that, um, led by Torn Grunbeck, but it includes others like Christopher Cantwell, J. Michael Straczynski, um, Ron Lim, uh, fantastic artists and creators on this. Uh, this spins out of the Thor books and it tells Thanos's side 
of searching through his past. And it gives us a little bit of a look ahead to what's going to be happening between Thor and Thanos, because we have that vision all the way back in the first arc of Donny Cates' Thor run of Thanos with the Infinity Hammer. We got to see what happens there. Also, the same day, we'll just wrap these two together. On the same day, Torin started the Legacy of Thanos Part 1 when she guest wrote with Nick Klein on the continuing Thor book. Jane uh, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, Punisher War Journal. These are all things Torin has done. And she brought the uh, she brought the fun to the main Thor book. A universally loathed foe kidnaps Thor's babysitter, baby sister, uh, Lausa. Um, and this is, uh, by the way, this is uh, 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 Corvus Glaive. Corvus Glaive of the Black Order steals Thor's sister drags her into the pits of hell and sifts all sight can't even see so thor needs to go get help from runa who has the powers to like control these undead sisters who used to be valkyrie and they uh they go deep into the pits of hell and then they find boar at the end so it's like this crazy uh cliffhanger but um faz this was a really good way for thor comics to end the year I really, really loved where Torin put us at the end of the year going into 2023. In honor of Torin, I only have two words to say for these two issues. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> they were That's... so good. It's it's really hard to understate how excited I was for Torin to write the main Thor book. Mm-hmm. Um Again, no disrespect to Donny Cates. I have really enjoyed his run up till up till now. But Torin brought her 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 style, brought her tone to it. And I really enjoy her style and her tone. And I am so excited for part two to come out in just a few weeks. Oh yeah. Very, very excited for where Legacy of Thanos is going to be going in the Thor book. On December 9th, we have our last entry of the year, and it's only appropriate that it's an alligator Loki infinity comic. Number 14 comes out. And this one was one of my favorites Faz. This one was the most epic of yeah, all by of far them. by far. It's called dragon envy. Loki takes on several of the iconic dragons in the Marvel universe and devil dinosaur. It's fantastic. There's huge dragon fighting in the sky Devil dinosaurs on the ground. Alligator Loki comes out of the water, and he's a full-on dragon alligator. Yeah. Oh gosh. He's got so many awesome epic fight things. Regular Loki's getting stressed. He bites on Devil Dinosaur. He takes him down. He's ready to fight more. It's a whole war going on. Fire breathing, fighting here and there. Oh my god, what's going to happen? Loki's so scared. And then Loki gets licked in the face. And it's revealed that they're all playing dinosaurs in a cardboard castle with cardboard wings put on alligator loki so that he can feel as special as the other dinosaurs and it is perfect i love a good devil dinosaur reference devil dinosaur also a top marvel character for this guy um alligator loki was ended on such a fun note that was you know as epic as you can make a wordless infinity comic that's a pretty good way of doing it. Uh, mm. So we end our, rev- we. Uh, that's all the stuff, Faz. That's all of it. 
We only have a few things left that we're going to do for tw- with two thousand. Such, such a relaxing year for Thor. Almost nothing came out. This Almost year. nothing happened. So we promised you that we would give out some year-end re- uh, awards, and we got four of them. So we're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. I'll give uh, I'll give my answer, and then Faz will give his. And we'll we'll give you our we'll give you our awards, and then we'll wrap this up, and we'll look forward to many awesome things in 2023. So, first award we're going to give out is our panel of the year. This is the the image, the singular image that we felt was the most eye catching, or awesome, or epic, or emotional, or whatever. We can choose this based on anything. And my panel of the year goes to. Super Saiyan Thor at the end of, I believe it's uh, the fourth part of God of Hammers, where uh, the last panel is is Thor decked out in the Odin Force, and it's amazing, and uh, it's like I oh, gold clad Thor ready to put the hammer down on Mjolnir, the the God Tempest. I was like, yeah, definitely can't stop reading this now. Uh, so that that image like just seared into my you know, my face you know and nick klein i mean there's a lot of great artists and comics nick klein is kind of the shit though like oh yeah he's gosh man i want to talk to nick klein so bad i'll be honest i i think the guy is just top notch um and the super saiyan thor like last page reveal was my panel of the year faz what was your panel of the year i have two oh boy the first one Similar to yours is the Super Saiyan uh, panel when he's breaking down Mjolnir and you get the right. different slices around it. It's a beautiful look. I won't go into it too much because you already talked about how great the Super Saiyan one was. The other one is the funeral for the All Father shot where the whole wow. Marvel universe is there. So there good. are Celestials, there are villains, everybody's paying their respects. And the detail is just insane. That's my pick. That's, I mean, hey... You could, I don't know if you could do a lot worse because there's been a lot of great art. A lot better, a lot better. You, you could a do better. a hell of a lot worse, yeah. You, you, oh, boy. Um, no, so many great artists worked on Thor books this year, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Nick Klein's pretty hard to beat, so that's why he Nick is, Klein kind of year? Nick Klein, Nick Klein did, a, did a fine job this year, to say the least. Now, let's go to our issue of the year, our Thor issue of the year. I kind of... Going with the obvious one. I'm going with Thor 750, the big, you know, anniversary style issue where we got so many different creators coming back to the book. I loved this book because of the simple stories. These classic writers got to come back and do like Jason Aaron, J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, Donnie Cates has a great story in there. There's so many, Walt Simonson has a, a story in there. Like so many great people came back to do basically a a six to eight page story in this big huge anthology and it just kind of i don't know it 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 seemed perfect for the moment um and i really 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 enjoyed it the j michael straczynski um story of thor writing his will is still one of my favorite things i've read in the last few years so really enjoyed thor 750 faz what was your issue of the year Again, sorry, listeners, I've got two. First one, <laughs> the end of the God of Hammers arc, because of what it kind of set up. We've got Valhalla being empty. We've got Odin 
wondering what the hell he's going to do and being stuck in Mjolnir. Some of the imagery was amazing. And it's just like the possibilities from that are endless. But the second one that I want to talk about a little bit more again is Legacy of Thanos Part 1. Yeah, I haven't been this excited for a Thor story in a long time. And this is something that I've been thinking about since, was it Black Winter that we first saw Thanos with the Infinity uh, Gauntlet? It's the, end, it's the end of Black Winter, yeah. yeah. So it's been years that I've been hoping to see where that goes, and we might be doing that now. Okay. And I could not be more excited to see where it goes. So good. So good. Um, okay, our third award is your Thor moment of the year. What was the moment of the year that seemed the most Thor? Faz, why don't you hit this one first? Because I know you've you've got a, a clear runaway on this one. Listeners, you guys know that I'm the MCU one of us. I love the comics, but I'm here for for the the movies first and foremost. My moment of the year is the black and white fight scene on the on the little moon. It's incredible. The fighting is fantastic. The horror moments when Gore's got them all wrapped up is chilling we could if we had a whole movie like that it'd be it would be rated r but it would be fantastic it'd be like werewolf by night <laughs> it would be like werewolf by night and the the fighting with the the way that the lighting is only lit up by the electric powers from their weapons it just and it all ends with the dreaded scene of gore walking away with stormbreaker and the necro sword being pulled that's my thor moment of the year good one that's a good one i uh so my thor moment of the year i'll be honest this one was a little because again really no no thor stuff happened this year there's not really a lot to choose <laughs> from but my thor moment of the year honestly is torin grunbeck writing thor meeting meeting her uh this past year getting to talk with her and just hear her passion and like how baked into her story thor is even to her name and i'm just like this woman gets it and she like is gonna i just someday i want her to write thor someday i want her to write the main title and when that you know it came out on my birthday like it came out on my birthday i went and read it and i just enjoyed it so much um, so Torin writing Thor was my Thor moment of the year. Yes, I enjoyed the movie, everybody. Yes, I enjoyed, you know, all these other different things, but honestly, that was Ryan wants I, to recast Hemsworth. <laughs> that was the one I real I looked forward to the most. Last award we're gonna give out, and then we're gonna jump out of here is your podcast moment of the year. Faz, what was your favorite moment of being on the podcast this year? For me, it was the review of Love and Thunder. I loved the movie. I was reading a lot of toxic stuff online about how it was, you know, the worst thing Marvel ever did. And I was feeling kind of down about it. And to have the four of us talking about how we all really enjoyed it from four different backgrounds and from four different angles of why we enjoyed it helps to kind of remind me that to fuck the haters and to not care what uh, other people think. So that moment for me was the podcast. moment. We've had a lot of good ones this year, but and, that uh... one for me is my number one. 
And that that episode also gave rise to the review crew group text that we still interact on every single day. And uh, Haley and Brandon, Faz and I have like we've talked about everything from just like real life. We've talked about, you know, drama. We've talked about DC movies. We've talked about everything Um, legitimately those those three individuals have become some of my best friends and uh, I, I i have the thor love and thunder review to thank but my favorite podcast before ryan says his favorite moment, okay this fine. would have been my favorite listener yes this would have been... not invite me to this one <laughs> this one was a very it was, it was a one-on-one moment my favorite podcast moment of the year was meeting my creative hero jason aaron um, the interview, the two hours I got to spend with Jason Aaron earlier this year and talk about the comics that mean the most to me, um, in my you know history of being a fan, um, was you couldn't put a price on it. Um, and those two hours, I will always be super thankful for, um, you know, I was nervous. I was incredibly nervous because, um, you know, the, this man's work means a lot to me, but just coming to find out like he's just the coolest dude like he you know he's kind of this you know this uh this viking scribe who just creates these awesome adventures and you know we've enjoyed his avengers stuff here on the show you know that's wrapping up right now too um i really enjoyed that time and it'll just be really hard to beat and uh, we got a lot of great stuff planned for 2023. Don't don't get it twisted, everybody. We may not have a Thor movie coming out this year. We we may not know, you know, what every single issue of the comics are going to be like. But we do know that we're going to have some great guests. We're going to cover some great comics. We are doing the Simonson saga this year. We are going to be covering Walt Simonson's run of Thor. We, I mean, we have a Loki season two to look forward to. There is a lot coming up just in the next few months that you should get really hyped for because we're going to, we're just going to do a lot of cool shit this year. And uh, Faz, we're bringing 2022 to an end. 2023 is ahead of us. Any final words for, for our listeners here as we, as we close out a whole year of Thor? We had an embarrassment of riches this year. There were a Boy, billion Thor stories. There were a billion mighty Thor stories. And we ate good. But like Ryan said, guys, we're still gonna we're still gonna eat well in the next couple of years. There's oh, lots to look forward to Thor oh, yeah. Stick with us, stay worthy, and everything's gonna be all right. Stick with us, stay worthy, and everything's gonna be all right. We need that on a t-shirt, Faz. So uh everybody, until we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, we encourage you. Like you did all of 2022, we encourage you to do all of 2023, and that is to stay worthy. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Ba-da. <laughs>